everyone to the Pantheon. I am Ray, and today we're looking at Vivarium. It's written by Garrett Shandling and Lachlan Finnegan and directed by Lachlan Finnegan. It's based primarily on a short film that went around in the festival circuit called The Foxes, and they made it into a feature-length film. It's described as a Twilight Zone episode or a Black Mirror episode if it was done at a feature-length motion picture sequence. It tells the story of a couple looking to uh, settle down and find a home and maybe one day grow a family. Their middle income, uh, we have Tom and Gemma. Gemma is a school teacher and right at the start of this film we see a nature picture and we realize, we learn, but maybe two minutes later on that it's described by Gemma that it's the cuckoo bird and that's how they bond their children. Uh, they will hide their egg into another nest and have it put in early enough so that it will hatch before the other eggs hatch. And so when it does hatch, that bird will push out the chicks of the actual parents. So when the parents come in to feed their birds, their bird can mimic the sounds of the parents. So the parents think that they're feeding their own. Meanwhile, they're feeding the, the cuckoo bird. While the parents of the cuckoo birds, or the mother or father, they've flown away south for the winter or what have you to live their own life, leaving the maintenance of their child in the hands of another bird. So that's what you're seeing in this like almost like a documentary wildlife uh, footage at the start. And then the explanation from Gemma, the teacher, telling this to a young girl who sees the dead birds on the floor at the bottom of the tree. And that sets up the story. Uh, if you know the definition of what a vivarium is, it's an enclosed environment in which animals are kept uh, under semi-natural conditions. So whether it's like a zoo where you see the habitat is sort of simulating their home environment and they get to live in this environment. So when you see this movie, Gemma and Tom, they're looking to buy a house. They're, uh, they go to this realtor place and they're kind of an odd duck, but friendly, it's a little off. Uh, he says there's a place called Yonder where we have the perfect place for up-and-coming couples who are looking for a home. It's not too expensive, it's not too cheap, but it's just right, and it's a perfect place for a new couple. He goes to them, well, come with me, I'll show you where to go. And so they follow him into this township. I believe they're in North London or somewhere in Europe. It's not in America, it's, it's somewhere in Europe, probably somewhere in the UK. Uh, so they go to a place called Yonder. And the first thing you notice is that every home looks exactly the same. So as they're driving into Yonders, they go deep into the middle of the community until they get to unit number nine. And now this is all in the trailer. I am not giving anything new away. And as soon as Martin shows them the unit, they shows them the, the baby room. It's blue for a boy, there's a baby carriage. Uh, he shows them in the fridge a complimentary bottle of champagne and strawberries. And then he shows them the backyard. And as you're into the backyard looking around, they turn around, Martin is gone. His car is gone, he's driven off, and they're left back in the house. So they get back into their car and they try to drive off because this seems just a little too weird, uh, so let's get out of here. They find themselves, because they're in the middle of this giant mecca of communal houses that look exactly, one looks exactly the same as the other one, they can't get out. A lot of what Lockwood uh, Finnegan's influences are to this film, as well as Garrett uh, Shannon's influences, was the housing crisis. Especially in Ireland, you had the uh, coastal states where they made all these homes that looked alike, but no one could live in them because uh, no one could afford these homes. So they had uh, 600, 700, 800 homes that were all estates that were made or almost or fully completed that no one lived in. 
So they were called ghost estates. And this is what kind of is what you're seeing here. You have this giant community where no one lived in these houses. And both Tom and Jim are alone at number nine. So as far as the eye can see, all you see is houses that look the same. And, they, and every time they try to escape, they end up back at number nine. So there's a scene where they kind of just hop over fences, just go in one direction and follow the sun out. And at the end of this journey at sunset, they wind up back at number nine. Yet they're going in a straight line. It's like a Twilight Zone episode where you can't escape. So that's where they say Black Mirror, uh, Twilight Zone. This is like an extension of that because everywhere they go, it comes back to this house. So to eat, they have strawberries and the champagne. There's no taste to them. It tastes artificial, but it's edible. Uh, the next day, they get a boy in a mail in a box, and then the instructions indicate, well, if you look after this boy, you will be released. So they end up looking after this child, um, and the child has cuckoo bird characteristics. He can mimic. Uh, both Tom and Gemma in their conversations as he gets older. It's very bizarre. It's the story of them trying to escape this house and this community, but fail. And so they're, they're stuck to the whims of whoever's sending them food in these boxes and who's told them to look after this boy, that one day or hopefully soon, they can be let go and uh, escape their predicament. And that's where this story comes into. It's kind of like going into this rabbit hole of madness and seeing if they can escape. Being a gardener, he, uh, Tom figures, well, maybe I could dig my way out or if I could find a tunnel or some sort of like connection to these homes that makes some sense. Gemma tries to become a motherly surrogate to this boy and in the process try to figure out what makes this boy tick, find out who this boy belongs to, maybe this boy can communicate to them, of who are the handlers, what's going on. There's references to films like Poltergeist. There are references to, like, kind of The Shining, but Poltergeist comes to mind. Uh, you know, the crawling on the walls, the television screen, talking to them, bizarre images. So there's there are different elements of horror in this. The psychological story, psychological thriller, it's kind of said to be a black comedy, but it's not a comedy. It's just a thriller. And the rules of everything is kind of undefined. It's haunting. It doesn't really feel like humor. It's just a continuation of just despair. And the deeper they go, the greater the level of despair is. And it is a crazy ending. The last 20 minutes of this movie goes really into the mouth of madness. I don't think it merits that jump, but I think it's a pretty cool way of going to a place that that lacks the uh, infinity of hope. The the uh, sorry, the affinity of hope is lost, and and the despair that you're experiencing is forever present. And it's crazy um, how these two uh, go through a gamut of emotions of a couple. It is a reflection of the times, and unaware of, of what that was or what that would be in the present so uh that has a strong undermining tone to it that's just a coincidence in almost every every sense of the word where there's a breakup in the in the couple relationship which is common now through COVID 19 as a result so there and there's children and living with a child and having no one else and they have to 
become the parent to the child. They have to look feed the child. They're stuck with the child 24-7, stuck with each other 24-7. They have to eat together, uh, sleep together, work together, do everything together. And when they want to separate, they have to find their boundaries of where they can be without um, you know, standing over each other's toes. So it's a subtle reminder of the current times, and that's completely accidental. So that's one of the cool things about this film, that it's relatively relevant today in the most unintentional way of viewing horror. And it puts what we're going through, the everyday's mechanics of our life, uh, in today's world, in the years of 2020, being what this film represents. And, and with that, I will have to give this movie three out of five stars. The ending I thought was just crazy. And it's un, I don't think it's merited because I think, I think the rush of the ending was disjointing. I think the acting and the performances are, are interesting. Both Eisenberg and Imogen Poots are producers in this film. There's like 14 producers in this movie, uh, but they're just one of the executive producers. And it's interesting where they go with this film. And you can see there's effort and heart in it, but I don't think it is, it's not worthy of ownership in my opinion, but it is worth a watch one time to get an idea. It's like a Twilight episode that you, that you missed, it's good to watch. It makes you think, it makes you wonder, and then you wanted to put it away and forget about it. So with that, I am Ray, I will see you next time. Take care.